Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Signaled at me or come to me and asked why I've had this ankle monitor. And what do you tell them? No, yo trato de explicarles a ellos de que es un caso con migración. I try to explain to them that I have an immigration case. They are not allowed to have uh, attorneys with them. They are not allowed to have um, supporters with them. So a lot of the abuses, we actually don't know. This morning, Migrantes Unidos, a mutual support group that provides accompaniment to asylum seekers experiencing hardships, held a nonviolent protest in front of the St. Louis Office of Intensive Supervision Appearance Program, ISAP, next to City Park and the Schlafly Tap Room. ISAP is a program run by BI Incorporated, and BI Inc. is owned by the private prison company Geo Group. Immigration and Customs Enforcement contracts with BI Incorporated to surveil undocumented immigrants. The protest group says ICE's contractor surveils, mistreats, and criminalizes these asylum seekers. The group has five demands, no more ankle monitors, return home country passports, allow freedom of movement inside the U.S., eliminate home visits during work hours, and stop verbal abuse, threats, and false information. Joining me in studio to talk about this is Adriano Yudani, Associate Professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Missouri-St. Louis and Director of UMSL's Public Policy Administration Program. He's also a co-founder of Migrantes Unidos. Adriano, welcome welcome to the program. Thank you, Elaine. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure. Now, first, let's talk about basic definitions to ensure that we are understanding and using terms accurately. What is asylum and how does a person seek it? Sure, that's a great question. So asylum is uh, protection from violence. Uh, And so uh, oftentimes we have to differentiate between asylum seekers and refugees. So refugees are escaping violence, uh, but they secure um, a destination, uh, an agreement with the government to be placed somewhere uh, where they're going. Asylum seekers claim uh, for protection when they arrive at the border. Mm -hmm. Um, And so particularly Mexican and Central Americans uh, will arrive at the U.S. border to Uh, seek for asylum. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where the process starts. Okay. Now, are asylum seekers undocumented if they've effectively registered themselves with ICE? Yes. So yes and no. I think that's what's uh, complicated about our immigration admissions and system. So um, asylum can, uh, seekers can have either affirmative or defensive cases. And so um, affirmative cases are filed when living in the U.S. with a current valid visa. Uh, but defensive cases are those who have been placed in removal proceedings. So that means when they uh, arrive at the border, mm-hmm. uh, 
more often than not, ICE already places them within confinement and in sort of detention proceedings. Um, and so they are trying to defend their reason for getting asylum. Mm -hmm. So um, they don't necessarily have status. Even though the government knows they're here, they're undocumented just because they are don't have a lawful status to stay here. And they're also in this process of claiming uh, uh, their asylum case uh, while uh, waiting for their day in court. So they're still considered uh, undocumented immigrants because they don't have the, the lawful status documents that are needed to to, to proceed. So it's like official limbo. Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. And, and I, I love that word because um, that's where most of the feelings and experiences are because um, a lot of their status, a lot of their lived experiences waffle between uh, not necessarily knowing whether they're lawful or not lawful. Mm -hmm. And because they're hanging on this this um, this condition where they don't know, and they're sort of waiting for places like ICE uh, and private contractors to decide whether or not they do have lawful status and they, they can stay here and also move mm -hmm. about the country. Now, among the ways ICE, through private companies, tracks undocumented immigrants who don't yet have legal status, as mm -hmm. we've been talking about, is ankle monitors. Now, we'll get to the five demands that Migrantes Unidos is making, but one of the big ones involves removing ankle monitors. Adriana, why is that? Why is why is it the, the removal of ankle monitors like that is one of the five demands sure. that are being made? Well, well, the the first is is that ankle monitors are just a, a very detrimental way to treat a person. Uh, these um, machines burn the skin. They uh, cause a lot of mental anguish. They cause nightmares. Uh, there's a lot of uh, it, it, there's a lot of toll that it takes on the human body and spirit. So it, it's just an inhumane way of, of treating um, people. I also think that they're just not necessary at all. Mm. Uh, there is some programmatic experience when we look at other alternative detention programs mm. that don't have ankle monitors, um, and they have just as a high uh, compliance rate uh, that a lot of uh, alternative detention proponents uh, tout. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're really not necessary. Um, finally, the, when you talk to people in Migrantes Unidos as well as other asylum seekers, they uh, understand the laws. They're here to respect them. They show up to court. They don't necessarily need that uh, electronic surveillance to keep them um, going to court because they'll do it right, right. without them. And we'll hear about that in yeah. a bit, too. We had a chance to talk late last week with two asylum seekers who are part of Migrantes Unidos, and we agreed to use only their first names because as asylum seekers, they have privacy concerns about their immigration cases. We also agreed not to ask certain questions as the answers to those could be used against them in court. For example, we didn't ask them specific questions about their decision to come to the United States or about the type of violence, for instance, they've experienced in their home countries. Mm -hmm. However, we can note that people who seek asylum in the U.S., according to Amnesty International, are people who have left their country to seek protection from persecution and serious human rights violations. An asylum seeker is not legally recognized, which we were just talking about, as a refugee, and they must await a decision made in court on their asylum case. 
with the assistance of an interpreter who is also an advocate with Migrantes Unidos, I first spoke with a 42-year-old woman from Guatemala named Adaleda. She is no longer required to wear an ankle monitor, but did so for one year and two months. I asked her about the experience. The truth is it's very uncomfortable. It affects me psychologically and mentally. Can you give an example of how it was difficult physically? Physically, my foot uh, was left marked, and there were things that I, I could not do. It is about the size of the, uh, mm-hmm. the mic flag that we're looking at. Because you're a very small person, it must have been very uh, cumbersome. Yes, very uncomfortable. You said that it also was difficult mentally. Yes, the ankle monitor um, is uncomfortable in different forms. When the battery runs out, it starts screaming at you. And if you leave the area you're restricted to, it also starts screaming at you. My hair used to be very long all the way down here, and my hair started to fall off. Because of the stress. Por el estrés. Por el estrés. Because of the stress. In addition to the negative health effects, Adelaida says the ankle monitor was so heavy that it affected her work. She now cleans apartments but was working in construction when she was wearing the ankle monitor. She says the bulky device caused her to have an accident on the job. Further, it affected her relationship with her kids, who are now ages 4 and 8. Uh, no podía hacer cosas normales con mis niños, como jugar. I couldn't do normal things with my kids, like play. Did they understand? Sí, hasta ellos me ponían, ay, mami, ¿por qué tienes esa cosa grande en tus pies? They did understand. They would say things like, oh, mami, why do you have that big thing on your feet? We also spoke with a 27-year-old man named Alan. He's from Honduras and has three children, ages five, two, and another who will be one year old tomorrow. Alan currently wears an ankle monitor, and I asked him how it makes him feel. Oh, de mi estado, pues, mal. Al andarlo, bueno, es incómodo andarlo. Y es incómodo, este, al saber que muchas personas lo señalan. Porque he tenido... Um, my state, it's bad. It, it's very uncomfortable. And I have many people who've signaled at me or come to me and asked why I've had this ankle monitor. And what do you tell them? I try to explain to them that I have an immigration case. And do they have questions after that too? Uh, este, I want to give an anecdote of something that happened to me while I was working at a restaurant. Mm, yes, please. Por favor. Cuando estaba en el restaurante, este, muchas personas, yo era el dishwasher. When I was at the restaurant, um, a lot of people, well, I was the dishwasher, and most of the cooks were born here. And then all, they would say things like, oh, I'm going to call Trump, you have an ankle monitor on, uh, you're a dangerous person. They were joking, but in a very hurtful way. Yeah, sí. 
That was Alan, an asylum seeker from Honduras who lives in the St. Louis area. And you heard from Adelaida from Guatemala, who is also seeking asylum. We'll have more from them in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. I'm Elaine Cha. A couple of hours ago, just across from City Park in St. Louis's downtown West neighborhood, there was a protest. Migrantes Unidos, a group that supports local asylum seekers experiencing hardships and asylum seekers themselves, held the nonviolent action in front of the Intensive Supervision Appearance Program, or ISAP, office. We'll get back to Professor Inmigrantes Unidos co-founder Adriano Udani in just a moment, but let's hear more from Adelaida and Alan. Those are the two local asylum seekers whom you heard from just before the break. And again, we agreed to use only their first names because they have privacy concerns about their respective immigration cases. We'll get to the group's full demands in a moment. They already talked about how they don't want to wear ankle monitors anymore. Another demand is to have their passports returned to them. I asked Adelaida if it was ISAP or Immigrations and Customs Enforcement who took her passport. No, it's ISAP. Because when I arrived directly to migration, migration... It's ISAP. When I arrived here, I went directly to ICE, and they sent me to ISAP. And that's where all of the um, abuse started at ISAP. They mistreat us. What do you wish people understood about you? Pues que la verdad hay mucha injusticia sobre, bueno, todo lo que yo he pasado. Honestly, there have just been so many injustices that I, I've lived through. Um, a lot of things, like it's it's not okay for them to contact you during work hours. Oh, for ISAP. Uh-huh. So they will contact you while you are working. Mientras estamos trabajando, nosotros tenemos que trabajar más. Yo soy una madre soltera, tengo que trabajar. Y ellos no, todo lo que ellos hacen es dar mal. Yes, they... They contact us while we work. We have to work. I'm a single mom. And they also give us false information. And we just don't have time to waste. They make us feel uncomfortable. And they uh, are disrespectful. Alan feels similarly that Immigration and Customs Enforcement's contractor, BI Inc., which runs ISAP, is disrespectful. Alan is currently required to wear an ankle monitor, but that hasn't been the case for his entire time in the United States. After previously wearing one for about two and a half years, he was forced to wear one again because he was accused of missing appointments related to his immigration case. I asked Alan about that. Um, they're appointments via phone calls and home visits. Is there something that has prevented you from... Uh, making those appointments? No, ninguna. Eh, mi cita siempre estado, siempre estado pendiente de ella. No, I've always been conscious of when my appointments have been. I don't know why they're telling me I have so many absences. 
you said you were accused of not showing up. Yeah. But you are saying that those uh, those accusations are not true. Do you feel like there is any way to correct that situation? Creo que sí. I think so. And in what way? Eh, poder hablar con el representante. We need to speak with a representative. And have you been able to do that at all? No. Eh, uno no puede, no puede, como le digo, este, hablar con ellos como quererse defender. We can't speak with them in a way where we're able to defend ourselves. I asked Alan to tell me about his interactions with ISAP, and he singled out one ISAP employee in particular. Bueno, este, la vez que ella me llamó a mi oficina, Ella fue muy fuerte. Oh, te quiero en mi oficina mañana a las nueve. Pero antes de eso me dijo que... When she called me to her office, she spoke to me very strongly. I want you in my office tomorrow, nine o'clock. And before she said, I had to answer her calls because she was my authority. And so I explained to her, I'm working and I have three children. I have to take bread to the table. She said, I don't care about your situation. And so is this why part of your demands um, is to be treated with respect? Yeah. So in other words, she does not talk with you. She talks at you. Yeah. Otra de las cosas que me ha dicho es que ninguna organización puede, puede protegerme a mí. She's also told me no organization can protect me. One of your demands is that you should not have to wear the ankle monitor why do you think that should be the case? Eh, no llevar el grillete es necesario porque al entrar a una tienda, lo primero que hace es señalarlo. Como... Not having ankle monitors is important. It's necessary because say you walk into a store, they look at you as the ankle monitor. They think you're dangerous. I'm not a dangerous person. What would you say to people who say that you cannot be trusted to show up to a hearing. Pues lo que lo quiere decir de que ya que muchas personas estamos aquí y pues de lo que nosotros queremos es hacer las cosas bien. There are a lot of us here and we want to do things the right way. The simple fact that we're showing up to immigration, my people would say that that means we are trustworthy. I asked Adelaide much the same question, but with a focus on alternatives to ankle monitors and other forms of surveillance BI Inc. currently employs. Pues, como aquí entren pidiendo asilo, entonces no no es necesario de poner un grillete, nada de lo... Um, I came here seeking asylum. There is no need to use an ankle monitor or any of the things that they're doing here. I came here seeking asylum. I'm, I'm here to follow the rules. Is the alternative giving you a hearing date and trusting that you will attend? Sí, es, es que si nosotros entramos pidiendo asilo, a nosotros nos conviene presentarnos en la corte. Yes, we came here seeking asylum. It's in our best interest to show to court. According to a data collection effort run by Syracuse University, the number of immigrants enrolled in the Alternatives to Detention program as of earlier this month is about 281,000. That's down by about 73,000 people since the start of the year. 
And while ICE says fewer than 20% of those in the Alternatives to Detention program wear ankle monitors, that doesn't change the fact that removing them is one of Migrantes Unidos' five demands, one that Adelaida is making because of her personal experience. Uh, las cinco demandas es de que ellos ya no nos pongan más grilletes, que nos entregan nuestros pasaportes, que cuando ellos eh, cuando ellos nos hablan que, que no nos faltan el respeto y también que y también lo que queremos es de que ya no más vigilancia con los teléfonos y El último es de que queremos que nos dejen eh, que nos dejen libre aquí en Estados Unidos que que nosotros estemos libres que no nos estén vigilando mucho. Our five demands are no more ankle monitors, that they return our passports, that when they talk to us they're not disrespectful. We don't want to be monitored over our phones. We want to be free within the United States. We don't want to be under surveillance. That's Adelaida, a 42-year-old immigrant from Guatemala, and you heard from Alan, a 27-year-old from Honduras. Both reside in the St. Louis area, and they are both seeking asylum. There were among several dozen asylum seekers and advocates who protested in front of the Intensive Supervision Appearance Program, or ISAP, office this morning. ISAP is run by a company called BI Incorporated, which is owned by a company called Geo Group, a private prison company. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, contracts with BI Incorporated as an alternative to detention. We reached out to Geo Group and they said, quote, ICE has sole authority for participant placement and termination. BI has no authority to make supervision or programming decisions. ICE selects the type of electronic monitoring, the intensity of supervision, and the frequency of reporting. Regarding the allegations of asylum seekers being verbally abused and treated disrespectfully, the company wrote, quote, Our employees are trained to uh, and required to treat participants with dignity and respect, and we take your reported allegation of abuse very seriously. Unquote. Further, the company said they have a grievance process in place and it will investigate the allegations. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement also acknowledged receipt of our questions, but said it was unlikely they would have time to respond by showtime. A spokesperson for the agency said they were still gathering information. Here with us again is Adriano Yudani. Associate Professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Missouri-St. Louis and Director of UMSL's Public Policy Administration Program. He's also co-founder of Migrantes Unidos, a mutual support group that provides accompaniment to asylum seekers experiencing hardships. So we've just heard quite a bit. Adriano, you were taking notes. What is in those notes? Yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> first, uh, just I just wanted to jot down uh, thanks to St. Louis Public Radio for um, blending in both Alan and Adelaida's voices uh, with our interpreter, Maria Torres Wedding, um, who I want to give a shout out. She is also a co-founder of Migrantes Seniors and brings the heart and soul of trauma-informed care and, and voice to uh, our asylum seeker colleagues. Um, I, 
the other thing I, I, I sort of wrote down was that I'm just so proud of Adelaida and Alan and Migrantes Unidos. Um, it, it's not like they just found their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always had a voice. They, they, they are experts. They, they have this knowledge of how to correct these violent systems that intentionally harm them. And so I think when we think about reforming systems and rejecting them outright, I think they should start with impacted community members mm. first, mm-hmm. um, and not with researchers, not with uh, service providers. Um, and you know, I think to this last point about Geo Group and uh, ISAP's official statements, um, I, I cast some concern and doubt uh, that uh, they are taking it seriously, that uh, their uh, personnel are trained, uh, because that's just not the experience or the reports that uh, Migrantes Unidos and also asylum seekers across the countries have experienced. And mm-hmm. so I think it's time for us to start listening to them and taking their uh, accusations and observations seriously uh, as testimony. Um, I, I do think that we do have their attention. Uh, when we got to uh, the protest, we were made aware that ISAP actually closed their offices today. Oh. So they knew that we were coming. Okay. Uh, they weren't taking in any more people, but they were there. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, I hope that this brings a lot more of attention to them that all we want is to meet them and have these conversations uh, with ICE and ISAP to talk about the abuses that um, Migrantes Unidos and other asylum seekers mm-hmm. are experiencing. Now, you're talking about uh, Adelaida and Alan. This did not happen overnight. Yeah. And your group, uh, Migrantes Unidos, is one um, that was founded not too long ago, yeah. as you said, with co-founder uh, Maria Torres' wedding. That's right. Um, it stems from a three-year, two hundred fifty-dollar grant from the Henry Luce Foundation. Two hundred fifty thousand. Two hundred fifty thousand. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's right. <laughs> it's a big difference there. Um, Thankfully, as far as Migrantes Unidos coming together as a group, how did you go about building it and then mobilizing yeah. people? Sure. So um, it, it actually before Henry Luce's kind uh, support, uh, it also started with um, a, a grant from the University of Missouri uh, strategic investment uh, plan. So mm-hmm. I want to thank um, the University of Missouri and also UMSL for really understanding uh, this idea about grounded knowledge and supporting uh, asylum seekers as experts, as consultants, not as subjects, not as participants, but really uh, as the directors who set this pace of um, of of policy change and social change. Um, but Maria and I sort of thought about, well, let's just think about our dream project. Like, how could we build something that feels good, um, that centers impacted community members, but then also can empirically sort of uh, identify a way forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we started in 2020. Uh, and Great time uh, to start. That's a, a good time, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, during a pandemic, no less. Um, but we we always centered uh, consent and just uh, telling uh, the asylum seekers uh, what the group was for, um, that it's a space for them to provide mutual support to each other, but then to also have some time to talk about what actions they want to take. Mm-hmm. And so over three years, it's sort of built into having asylum seekers 
understand that they do have a voice, uh, that there are people that are experiencing the same kind of violence and trauma that they are, but then to harness that towards some positive change. And so yeah. that's what we're seeing uh, today mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully again. Yeah. I mean, you are an associate professor at UMSL, a right, tenured academic at an institution of higher education. Yeah. So you have a certain amount of privilege and, and power, right? I mean, as you were working over these past few weeks, how did you gain people's trust? Like, the academy is is kind of sketchy sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so how did... How did you show them that you were legit, like that you were for real? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of listening and waiting uh, and um, walking all roads um, in in the sense that I knew that back in 2020, I couldn't just walk in there and say, hey, I want to survey you. I have all these questions because uh, they've probably answered those questions before. A lot of uh, impacted communities, uh, a lot of minoritized groups are asked the same questions over and over again. Uh, and so I wanted to really gain their trust and just in terms of um, listening to them. Um, but I, I think the other way that uh, I, I, I gained their trust was also just acknowledging the harm that academic institutions has caused. And so there's this a lot of reckoning that mm-hmm. we need to do to, to at least affirm and acknowledge that we have this privilege, as mm-hmm. you said, uh, but that um, we realize that and we're ready to um, address those and and then start building these sort of reciprocal partnerships. Okay. And I think that's the idea is the reciprocity between these partners, mm-hmm. partnerships. Now, as we noted at the top of the segment, mm-hmm. Migrantes Unidos, you know, held that nonviolent protest this morning. Yeah. Um, ISAP closed their offices, and uh, those five demands that you made, um, the ankle monitors were certainly one of them. Yeah. The other four were about um, the return of home country passports. Mm-hmm allowing freedom of movement within the United States. So right now they're limited to to one state. Mm-hmm. Um, elimination of home visits during work hours and stopping verbal abuse, threats, and false information. And we heard a little bit of each of these yeah. from Alan and Adelaida. Uh, you said that the closure of the offices, that that was a, a sign of success. Um, what other... What other signs will you be looking for in the coming days? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that having a meeting with the ICE officer who is in charge of assigning the ankle monitors will Mm -hmm. actually have a meeting with us. So back, one of the first public actions that this group did was to write a letter to uh, the officer, Officer Garza at the time. Uh, It was hand-delivered by them. Um, during a pandemic, uh, no less. and no less, and uh, we got a non-response, and so we have yet to hear uh, that response. So having a meeting would be a step in the right direction. Uh, a lot of the abuses uh, of ISAP and BI, despite what Geo Group says, occur behind closed doors. Mm. They are not allowed to have uh, attorneys with them. They are not allowed to have um, supporters with them. So a lot of the abuses, we actually don't know what goes on. And the only people that do are positioned um, 
as as asylum seekers, and they are the ones who know what to do and what they're experiencing. And so I think it's time to listen to them. So I think another thing that I'm looking for is they allow us to have our supporters with our asylum seeker colleagues to have this conversation about their demands. Mm -hmm. And as we close here, in a simple takeaway sentence, why do you think folks should pay attention to the demands that these asylum seekers are making? Yeah. Uh, I think in this world, like coming out of a pandemic and a lot of reflection, I think we all sort of look to try to be better versions of ourselves. Um, and we enjoy the freedom of critical thought. We enjoy the, the freedom of movement. Uh, and Magrentes Unidos is looking for the same thing, is to be better versions of themselves, to move about the country, uh, and to enjoy life. And that's what they deserve and that they should be treated as dignity as everyone should and these machines uh, and electric ways of monitoring movement don't deserve um, a place on anyone Adriano Udani is associate professor in the political science department at the University of Missouri, St. Louis, and director of UMSL's public policy administration program. He's also co-founder of Migrantes Unidos. Adriano, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Today's episode was produced by Alex Hoyer. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dork. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.